to your Nova Comic Podcast, episode 22. Today we got Eric Franklin with us. We like to just jump into things like this. So, Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing Good. pretty well. So, uh, tell us uh, what. Tell us everything about you in, uh, in a nice summary. Uh, okay, I try to be a jack of all trades and master them. You know, so I'm trying to subvert that cliche. Uh, basically, I'm a. I consider myself a writer first and an artist second. And, uh, I, you know, I, I also work in filmmaking it, it, as well, things like that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm just excited to be on the show and talk about, you know, like the different disciplines, things like that, and amazingly how they all connect to each other. Very cool. But, yeah. By the way, the original uh, saying actually used to be a jack of all trades and a master of one. And that was one of the Renaissance man mentalities, kind of like uh, – Knowing knowing how to do everything, but then becoming amazing at one thing. I will go around correcting people now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's a cool concept because a lot of people think that by diversifying your mindset, you, you will weaken the ability to become an expert at something. But, for example, the more – because I read a lot, it actually makes it easier to learn another language. And while learning another language, it makes it easier to read. So it's like – it, it, like by by expanding how much your brain can do, it makes it easier to do everything. Yeah, definitely. I I find that you know when I when I study uh, acting as well, it actually helps with my drawing because uh, the characters become a lot more expressive. You know, the, uh, the you know poses become less stiff. You know, things like that because I'm trying to more inhabit the character that I'm uh, currently illustrating rather than just you know. Uh, relying on a stock pose, I'm thinking, what is, uh, what are they really feeling right now? That's cool. That's funny too, because uh, I take Japanese or not Japanese. I take martial arts. I've got to talk about Japanese. I take martial arts, and uh, Greg knows that we've choreographed some of our fight scenes that will be in later comics because of the fact I I know what it would look like because I might I might have either done it or now I've seen it just by being exposed to it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, also, uh, I, I'm a martial artist as well, and I and I love the discipline that comes with it, and you definitely need that as an artist, you know. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no matter what you do, but uh, especially, you know, in comic book art and things like that, where, I mean, yeah, you do exaggerate some. I mean, I, I don't do nearly as uh, pretty a flying kick as I draw, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I get it, the general principle of what it's supposed to be. That's good. Have you ever read this book? The War of Art? By uh, Stephen Pressfield? No, but I think I will now. Yeah, it's actually a very, very easy read. It's like, where is it? Um, yeah, it's like 160 pages, and each of the pages kind of look like this, where they're like, there's like sections that are like super small. Some of them, some of the sections are just like a page, right? But uh, it talks about that, like having discipline, discipline because discipline, <laughs> discipline, because uh, to be a true artist, uh, you need to be a professional artist, and to be a professional artist, uh, you need to work as if you're getting paid, even if you're not getting paid. And if you're not working to get paid, then you're not working the best that you can. You're, it's a hobby. You're not, a, you're not an artist, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it, I like that, too, because uh, that, that applies to all artistry, though, like, you know, music, painting, dancing, it doesn't matter. So it's a very cool uh, breakdown. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's like I, um, I'm working on, you know, a couple of uh, 
comic projects and have a, uh, I, I have a pretty strict deadline. You know, I used to just draw whenever um, I felt, uh, I do air quotes when I'm holding up my phone, uh, inspiration, but, uh, but really I'm thinking, well, I can't do that, especially, you know, getting into the industry. It's like, you know, they have a, uh, these books have deadlines and it doesn't matter if illustrate or inspiration strikes or not. You've got to get them. Yeah, you probably like this book, then. That's what it talks about. It goes, you can't wait for the muse. You need to set the room up and be working so when the muse is ready, you're already working, right? A lot of people yeah. wait till it hits them, but what if it hits you while you're out in the road because you decided not to work today, right? Like, you know, you got to be at your desk. Your room, your area should be clean. Everything should be organized so that, like, once you're in the mood and the muse decides to lean her head in and be like, hey, you ready? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, like, Sometimes um, it's like I have so many notes I've dictated and you know into my phone because I'm just doing something else, you know. And then suddenly a plot point will have resolved itself, and I'm like, like excuse me, everybody, and you know, <laughs> everyone who like knows me is like, oh, okay, he'll be back in like three minutes, and then won't shut up about the story. So <laughs> very nice. All right, Greg, you got some questions in here? What do you got? Just basic stuff. We're going to talk about uh, the fi like fan film that he's been working on. That's uh, Spider-Man 4. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that project, uh, it, there's a lot of interesting uh, things about that. It wasn't uh, started by me, actually. A very, uh, very talented guy, uh, Bryn uh, Jones, or Bryn Clayton Jones. Uh, he... Uh, he's a Washington State filmmaker, and he had started posting, uh, making a Spider-Man 4 fan film, you know, just putting that out there, and me thinking, well, what do I have to lose? Saying, hey, hey, uh, do you want help? I, I'd love to act in it, just to say I was in a Spider-Man film of some kind. And, <laughs> you know, and he said, sure, send me uh, a reel of what you have. So I did, and he he said, do you want the part of Alistair Smythe? And I'm like, okay, sure. And, uh, because I've been playing nothing but villains for so long, and I thought, might as well keep coming up with that trend. And uh, a couple months later, um, there were some uh, behind-the-scenes uh, issues, and uh, the uh, for various reasons, the, the original directors left the project, and uh, they said, and then I get a message from him saying, hey, I'm looking at your short films online. Uh, would you like to direct this movie? Because I, you definitely have a, a good grasp of, you know, he, he said, like, comedy, but like kind of like knowing it's comedy, not like we made a really bad project and everyone laughed at it. And uh, I, I said, okay, the first thing I, I said in my head was yes, but then I thought, Okay, okay, play it cool. And I'm like, well, let me consider this. Yes, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, play, play it cool for that half a second. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, since then, we've been uh, in rehearsals with the cast, and it's been, um, it's been really great uh, working with them. And the thing I've been, and the thing with Spider-Man 4, it's a continuation of the original Sam Raimi trilogy. Uh, and this is, it's all based heavily on what his plans were for the fourth movie that, of course, never materialized. Yeah. So, um, 
uh, with that being said, um, uh, Bryn and his uh, writing partner, who I am so sorry, his name escapes me, but he's very talented also. Uh, I, he's doing the uh, music for the film as well. I am I am the worst with names. I, I'm just going to say that right <laughs> off the bat. Like Behind me are prints from a lot of artist friends I have, and I could not tell you their names right now with a gun to my head, but I could tell you what they draw. Um, but anyway, they, they wrote a really... Um, really good script and so it's made it easy for you know rehearsing with the cast uh, and what i've been saying to them is like okay yes you are playing characters that have been you know portrayed by like you know uh, toby Maguire, obviously or kirsten dunst but i i said you know put a little bit of that in there but everybody knows you're not them you know, everyone everyone knows it's a fan film, so you know, add some of you into the part, and I think uh, I think we're going to be pretty successful at that. We're going to be filming a teaser trailer pretty soon, uh, and I've seen a lot of the. Uh, of course, I've been storyboarding like uh, all of the major effect sequences, and a lot of the visual effects that we're getting back are are actually really good and one i thought was taken from one of the original movies so i just said can we do that like do what i'm pretty sure that's a shot from the original series no it isn't I me mean, oh okay well i'm just gonna sit back smugly and say yeah yeah I- i'm working on that film <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah it's been a great uh project where um I know after the uh, teaser, we're going to start filming some more of the uh, green screen sections uh, because amazingly, you know, people don't want to dangle off of rooftops for, you know, uh, Spider-Man vistas. And I and I tried to give him the talk of, like, commit to your character, but no, that, 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 that wasn't. You got to just believe. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, honestly, it's it's been great. The um, uh, there's going to be uh, uh, some fa- a lot of fan favorite characters in there, and if you uh, if you know uh, about the project, the vulture is going to be the main villain. Uh, uh, it's it's portrayed differently than the uh, Michael Keaton one, of course. Uh, I think in the original movies they wanted John Malkovich to play him, so. Huh. It's going to be a little more along those lines. Uh, I don't know how much he... Uh, I don't want to pull a Mark Ruffalo and spoil a ton of stuff, but... Uh, or Tom Holland. Oh, well, it is associated with Spider-Man, but... Yeah. <laughs> I I can already... Well, one thing I know I can reveal, because he posted some early tests of the costume, is that Shocker makes a cameo in the movie. And... Uh, yeah. I have been obsessed with that character ever since the uh, the '90s cartoon, and I had this action figure of him. So uh, nice. Yeah, I like that they kind of had it in uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, but Homecoming. Yeah, but uh, they didn't like fully go into that character. He was like basically like died. So it's like yeah. Yeah. Not only that, I'm thinking, could you have just put the hood on? I saw a behind-the-scenes photo of him. But that's just me fanboy ranting. So. Uh, but, but yeah, our shocker scene happens pretty early in the movie, and uh, I had a lot of fun storyboarding that, especially after seeing effects tests, because I'm like, 
uh, the the effects artist was like, "Bring it on! I'm up for a new challenge." And I thought, "Okay, you you just opened yourself up to some massive migraines because I was going to go easy on you, buddy. Now I'm putting in every dream shot I have." <laughs> yeah, I saw a picture on your Instagram of uh, another movie that you're doing, "Dearly Departed." Yeah, that's uh, that project uh, I did come up with. Um, <laughs> that that film was actually based off of a joke that I told a more, more of a quip, where it's like I uh, there was an, uh, a former work associate that we had a bit of a falling out, and I said, "I swear to God, I would take a greyhound just to punch that guy in the face and then go back." And, uh, <laughs> um, and he said. You know that could be there. There's some kind of weird indie comedy in that, and you know, uh, and I, I couldn't fight Daniel on that. I'm like, yeah, I, I can see that being a thing. And for some reason, despite the fact that we had way better things to do, we wrote it, and it uh, and it it came together as way more than just that little premise of. You know, because I'm thinking, if that's all the movie was about, then I wouldn't see it. But uh, the, the basic logline is uh, a hitman has to stop his uh, little sister's wedding because she's marrying a psychopath. <laughs> and, uh, nice. uh, but trying to stop him is basically his uh, yoga therapist slash life coach who's been trying to get him not to kill people. So, um, and then we want, and then we thought oh, it would be fun to do kind of a road trip comedy thing. So uh, that all came together, and we we shot all around uh, Washington State. Um, since the film takes place in only a couple days, we decided to have it take place in Idaho because it's it's not that long of a drive, and of course, hijinks happen, things like that. But. Uh, but yeah, that film came together, got a lot of support from the community, um, and uh, and yeah, even a lot of the actors donated a lot of their time behind the scenes. And what I find in any creative project is, if you get people who are in it just for a paycheck, you're gonna get like, I would say you get good work, but not work nearly as impassioned as what we got. Um, I. And people whose names I do remember, you know, uh, like like in the movie, um, Jessica Joy uh, Hardy plays the yoga instructor. And, you know, I told her just about the project, even in its early stage, we were friends working on another film. And she's like, oh, my God, I am so excited about this. I, I, I'm going to get my car ready for this. We're going to film this. We're going <laughs> to. And I was like. And I look at uh, Daniel Husser, my uh, my uh, business partner. I'm like, okay, I guess we're making this movie now. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that that enthusiasm carried all throughout the production, and uh, we're hoping to have this hit the festival circuit in 2021. Uh, and uh, right now it's in post. Uh, I just did visual effects of. Um, well, we filmed with a lot of airsoft guns, meaning that out in public we kept the orange tips on because I really don't want to get shot making my own movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, the exciting world of visual effects is like, um, you know, I wish I could have like flying cars and stuff like that in the movie, the really cool stuff. But I'm like, no, 
frame by frame, making every orange gun tip uh, black. <laughs> what, what are you guys using for uh, video editing? Uh, I'm editing in uh, Premiere Pro right now. Um, it's uh, I I enjoy I, I do enjoy it, and I'm not sponsored by Adobe in any way. Uh, I yeah, I use Premiere Pro. Uh, the majority of the visual effects I do in uh, After Effects. Is that uh, what you do in the orange tipped editing? In that's kind of what I was curious about. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's um, sometimes it's easy if like I can just draw a larger uh, mask around the area, play with the hue saturation. Yeah. Of, cor of course, then we had the brilliant idea of filming in a desert environment. Now it looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now here's the so thing. So that's gonna suck. It looks beautiful. You know, the footage, once all corrected, looks great. Um, but the funny thing is, is like, the orange tip matches the t the hue of the environment. So there would be, so if... I that's that's why I was curious what you were editing in, because I was like, <laughs> it shouldn't take that long to track a bright orange tip, like if you're in a, you know, a gray city environment. But yeah, if you're in the desert... <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's a, uh, one of the actors... Uh, uh, Kevin uh, Long, very, very talented actor, had the courtesy to wear not only a gray shirt, but put the gun in front of his gray shirt. So, uh, in the frame, so uh, I just, I want to send him like an edible arrangement or something. He's never going to understand why unless he watches this, but like, thank you, you shaved a few hours off of work. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Uh, one got yeah. you in like acting and film and just all uh, that. Well, I uh, okay. Well, I first uh, I first started off wanting to be a comic artist, um, and when I and at the time when I, I, I okay I was really young, you know, like of course like still in elementary school, and if you can draw anything more than a stick figure, you're considered a genius. Yeah, I can do that now. Nice. <laughs> he just got over the stick figure hump. Oh, cool. Well, uh, when you get the muscles, let me know. But, uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, no, the, um, uh, but it's like I get frustrated because I like I grew up reading a lot of '90s comics before that they were current at the time, so there was no stigma against like the uh, questionable anatomy or you know patch lines or you know people you know with the same face syndrome so i thought that's what comic art looked like you know should look like and my art never did in particular like i was okay this is like nine-year-old me looking at alex ross's uh, art in the marvel series and get frustrated like how come mine doesn't look like that so i got frustrated and started filming my action figures instead and like, hey, I don't have to worry about perspective or anatomy. It's all everything makes sense. Uh, so then I got more into filmmaking. Uh, acting was done is kind of a kind of a dare uh, from a friend of mine in high school, who um, uh, I think the police are after one of you. But um, yeah, me. <laughs> okay, well, I'll deny that I know you. Anyway. <laughs> I've never was, met him before a day in my life. <laughs> uh, Greg Henry who? Uh, <laughs> uh, but the but the thing was, it's like, 
I was telling uh, one of my friends, a very talented actor and playwright up here, uh, uh, went to the same high school together, Andrew Lee Creech. Uh, see, I can't remember some people's names, but <laughs> I, I told him uh, that, uh, that, oh, I want to be a filmmaker and this and that. He said, well, you should really understand acting if you want to actually make good movies other than just placing the camera and wondering why people aren't, you know, doing what they say. I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do that. He's like, you realize you're going to have to take our drama classes? Me, yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. And you're going to have to audition for a play? Me, okay, sure, yeah. And so we were doing, uh, our high school was doing Romeo and Juliet, and I... I tried up for that, and I am fairly convinced I got the part because I have a decent memory for dialogue. And <laughs> because, like, in terms of acting talent, I, I had uh, not much in my own estimation, but I did have a good memory, so they gave me a part. <laughs> and who'd you, who'd you play? Oh, I Julia. played the, I played the prince. Who? Uh, oh, I would have made a great Juliet. Trust me. But grow <laughs> the beard out a little more. <laughs> well. Well, it's 2020 now. Maybe we could have gone away with it, but uh, <laughs> uh, but back then in 2005, I guess five six. Uh, anyway, around that era, it, it was a much more uh, conservative time, I guess. But uh, um, but no, the uh, I played the prince who was basically the angry mayor of like you know the action would happen. I would come in and say. Like, why is all this shit happening? You know, oh, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, you're fine, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good, because I've been holding back. But anyway. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank God. So, but anyway, um, so, I, so I did the part, and, and, uh, and I did... I enjoyed acting. I ironically I didn't enjoy the attention as much as I enjoyed just performing and having fun, and so that led to a side career, uh, you know, acting, doing other things like that. And uh, I figure, well, I'm good at acting, like I knowing what I do a lot of the time. So you know, especially in the world of like video production where you have clients, you know, it's like, can you get this done in my head? No. What I say? Yeah, I can do that. By the way, don't tell anyone about that in case they're considering hiring me. Same goes for me. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, I... that's, that's how I got good at most of the skills I have now. Basically, I'd have a client hire me for something that I didn't know how to do, so I taught myself it and then got, got good enough at it. And now I can offer that as a regular thing. <laughs> nice. I, uh, it's funny because at the uh, one of the last conventions I was at... Um, I, you know, I do convention sketches, uh, things like that. I had a guy come up to me and uh, he said, I, I won't forget this story because it's so far been my favorite commission. He said, I want you to draw me a tick thump. Me. A what? Yeah, that was my response. A what? He said, okay, you know Cthulhu? Me. Yeah, of course. You know the tick? Yeah, Ben Ingram's tick. I know all right, now, use your mind, put the two together, I'm going to wander around, and you're going to draw me a tick Thulu, okay? Me. Okay, sure, you, you paid me, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I have no, I, I think, 
had no idea exactly why this guy was so dead set on the on that <laughs> character in particular, but you know, I'm like, okay, and in my head, I'm like, shit, shit, shit. you know, I quickly pull up a photo of the tick. You know, I mean, I knew roughly what the two looked like, and I and I'm just going to town, and I, uh, like. Okay, uh, uh, I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm pulling out every trick I can to try to make this look good because I'm thinking, who the hell asks for a tick thula? I mean, you know, I, I, and uh, you know, I mean, people say, you know, a lot of kids in particular, can you draw like Spider-Man or Hulk, you know, whatever Avenger or whatever character's popular, you know, Miles Morales? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's easy, you know, but then I'm like. Okay, I've never done a mashup like this before, and uh, he comes back and uh, and he sees it. It is like I think I think you do have me confused with Jim Lee, sir, because this art is, you know, he's like, oh my god, would you look at that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, a really nice guy. Then he bought some of the comics I work on too, but. <laughs> But uh, I'll never forget the seriousness with which he approached me with this drawing. <laughs> I'm like, was there some bet you had to settle, sir? But yeah, right. <laughs> he just goes to every convention and just makes an artist draw that. <laughs> I maybe if that's his thing, you know, who are we to judge? And, uh, <laughs> You've got a collection at home of just Tikthulus all over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I have another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now I'm uh, bringing my Copics, and uh, so I could have given them a color tick Thulu, but uh, should I have done green or blue? Oh, well, thank, thankfully, thankfully, I'll never have to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see him at the next convention. <laughs> well, he paid me, so I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I did, uh, I, I used to do, like, uh, home video stuff in like middle school high school and i like basically made my friends like in my neighborhood just do it with me nonstop. like it was for a year or two of just doing that i just didn't seem that terrible on videos until i started watching like later on and like when i got older i was like oh wow this is really cringy oh yeah i think that's how I started too, because you know, and I started replacing action figures with people. Um, I would say the da the downside is you don't have to feed your toys, you know, and yeah. they just show up whenever you need them. But uh, with actors, um, I I say actors really are my friends that had personalities I thought I could use. I mean, yeah, now nowadays the videos are cringy as fuck, especially you know when I. Uh, when it was some of us, you know, in our early days of martial arts, thinking, you know, we were replicating guys like, you know, like Tony Jaw and, uh, and people like that. Like, well, I watch a lot of these movies and I paid attention, so we're just as good, right? And I think the only person who can stand watching these movies now is like my mom or something because she she's like, oh, you guys were trying so hard. <laughs> no. No, if I'm ever famous, you're gonna blackmail me. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but I I guess uh I guess maybe when I'm 75, I'll say I'm proud of my early efforts. But until then, <laughs> dear God, 
Until then, shame. <laughs> there we go. There's there's one video that I, that's somewhere on YouTube, unless it got taken down. Um, from all the copyrighted music, uh, it was it's just me, my younger brother, and our friend Josiah, and it was just us three because everybody else was like gone somewhere. Um, usually it's like all of those people, and then there's like a few other people, but uh. This is like the only video of all the videos that we made that I liked. <laughs> it's uh, I'm like a kid that's like in a mental institution, but we used like our treehouse as the mental institution. <laughs> mental institution. It, it's safe to put mentally unstable children in treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> and then no safer uh, place. <laughs> and I just got out of there or something, and. Then I uh w like went down the ladder and was like I gotta have my pops and it was just basically them like trying to get corn pops and the box of uh, corn pops was empty so it was a whole like journey of just trying to get corn pops <laughs> yeah so it was just a mentally insane like kid like looking for that and then it happens to be like uh my friend Josiah dresses up in like a black cloak to kind of look like the emperor from Star Wars <laughs> and he's like here are your pops Eddie and I was like okay but Claim like it... the reward. <laughs> and <it>. then <laughs> the only cool thing we probably ever did but you can definitely tell like what's making the smoke effect is um I think we like somehow like bottled uh we put like a fire or something in like a soda bottle and then we let the cap out and then like we just filmed like we first had him on like this stump and then we had him like out of the frame and then we just filmed like smoke coming out of a bottle <laughs> that was like him like disappearing <laughs> yeah was the bottle in frame because that'd be priceless oh yeah there was like there's like a little shot like you could hear like the crackling because like someone had to crackle it so it was like crackling and you could see like the little cat part just like come up for like a quick second it's like ah come on <laughs> but, yeah that was the best of all the movies that we did because all the other ones were like just little ones <laughs> oh yeah my yeah, my uh, my approach to filmmaking was I thought I would be as serious as possible, you know. So it's like I try I try to read all this Joseph Campbell stuff and thinking of like, well, I, well, I've read it now, so my stories are going to be really deep and profound and this and that, and, and yeah, they 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 weren't. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like I understand the basics of the hero's journey. I mean, so did you. You had to get your. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you had to get your pops. <laughs> yeah, you had to get that, but um, but yeah, my yeah my early films. I think I'll be killed by uh, my uh, business partner, I uh, Daniel, because I forced him to star in these movies. Uh, because I'm like thinking, well, I can't star in them because I have to be behind the camera. It has to be you. <laughs> but uh and then oftentimes i want i'd want to say I, I kept tricking the poor guy into working on the film and that he'll be hey want to come over to my house to play video games sure we play for like a half hour oh by the way we have the scene to shoot and huh. i mean two i would say to my credit he kept falling for it so i'd say the blame here is 50 50 uh, <laughs> but uh, fool me once 
fool me 673 times. <laughs> oh, yeah, our, our shooting schedule was much shorter, but... <laughs> <laughs> But then, the, but then eventually, when he was behind the camera, because you know, I kept I would cast myself in something in a small role because I knew I'd be there on set anyway. He ended up enjoying camera work, and he now works regularly as a cinematographer, and you know, filming live events and things like that. So I did change his life for the better eventually. And uh, but he, uh, but he said, but it'd be like, hey, I like doing this, and. Uh, you know, behind the camera work more like, oh, okay, I'll incorporate that. And, <laughs> I'll, I'll, t- I'll put that in the notes. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, too, is like trying to uh, trying to work as an actor and creative and not make the project seem like, you know, vanity projects. Because um, like with Dearly Departed, yeah, I am, you know, trying to launch an acting career too. Whatever hits first is... <laughs> um, but... I wanted to be a character that I would be, you know, cast in, in like, you know, believably. And I'm like, okay, would I love to play Batman? Oh, who wouldn't? Would I be cast as Batman? Oh, God, no. Please, please don't. Uh, He's about uh, 60 more pounds of muscle, that's all. <laughs> that, I mean, I, I can do a gravel Christian Bale voice, but... Um, <laughs> Where are the drugs going? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, uh, yeah, when I'm directing, uh, I have a couple different modes. The, the we're under pressure. Let's get this done. I'm not kidding. Then the, there's the start of the day. I'm like, set up the camera here. <laughs> you know, Batman mode, or the uh, or the Silence of the Lamb mode of it says the lines the wire. <laughs> Just watch that again. Yeah, I don't. I don't rely on the third one often. It's kind of like the split personality, the one that remains hidden. But, uh, but, um, but yeah. With the but anyway, with that, it's like uh, you know, playing a character that isn't you know, oh, everything works for them and everyone admires them and things like that. Um, basically, just playing a character that is fully fleshed out and immersing yourself in that role and i would say to anyone who's considering uh you know doing the same thing saying like i want to be an actor the part i want isn't coming for me so i should create it myself i'd say yeah do that but make sure the part isn't there just to make you look good and then cast actors who are way better than you you know in every other part because that will actually i think even subconsciously elevate you um, and it's like I try to um, like uh, I have like an art wall behind me and, uh, of like various artists that inspire me uh, people like Todd Nock for example uh, uh, Jason Metcalf um, uh, and like Jeremy uh, Colwell's colorist you know they're like some of my bigger influences and people I've actually met and uh, I'd flip the phone around, but I have some uh, Blackie Shepherd artwork up there as well. And this is just a, you know, these are people who have helped me in my life. Uh, but it's art that's way better than mine, and I like I have to look at it and say, okay, what am I doing that isn't at this point yet? You know, and, and I would say, you know, uh, and even watching a great movie, it's like I'll watch it to enjoy it. And then watch it again to see to get to the nuts and bolts of like this movie. How could I implement it without stealing? 
of course. Yeah. Although, like Picasso said, great art or good artists copy, great artists steal. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I've um, I I would say I steal not anything recognizable, but more like Con- uh, concepts. Yeah. 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 Certain <laughs> concepts, like you know, um, I mean, I don't like the idea of lifting plot lines completely. You know. <laughs> From another movie, but that, but that's the interesting thing. They're all the same plot line, anyways. So you're never really stealing. It's more the flavor of that type of plot line. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like how many uh, remakes of Yojimbo have there been? You know, uh, it's like the Yojimbo became like the fistful of dollars. Uh, it became a. I think even Roger Corman did a sword and sorcery version with David Carradine. Um, but uh, the con. Because, you know, the concept of, you know, like a lone warrior manipulating the sides of, you know, two different warring factions, you know. And of course, I got that from a Dashiell Hammett story that took place, you know, um, you know, like with a hard-boiled detective. So um, you're right, people do uh, uh, do just like borrow liberally from other people. Yeah, most most storylines have already been written. It's more how can you make it connect with today's audience or a new audience? Yeah, I, um, and yeah, what's interesting about that too is, um, is like, I think that as people, when you're writing a story, we're looking for similar things, you know, even with cultural boundaries aside. I mean, we all want some measure of happiness in our lives, and like, we've all felt the need to for revenge, you know, even the most enlightened of us have moments of like on the freeway like that motherfucker i want to but you know <laughs> but they're like no no have to get back to my happy mystical place but uh or grand theft auto <laughs> or yes there's that <laughs> that's for that guy that cut me off today <laughs> i i mean yeah I, I have definitely wanted to pull people from their cars but uh <laughs> But no, but then I save that for my uh, creative work. Um, but uh, where, where my friend's the villain, and I'm pulling him out of the car. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. Um, that's that's the wonderful thing about being a creative uh, person too. Is like, it's like if you keep your eyes open to the world around you, there are so many stories in people's lives just waiting to be reappropriated to your story, and people think you're a creative genius. And uh. Yeah. Uh, well, ideally, I mean, I would never put, I never put that label ever on myself. But, um, but you know, it's like a book I'd recommend to everybody is uh, Stephen King's book on writing, uh, mm-hmm. and you realize that, uh, and he freely admits this, but a ton of his classic works um, and well-known stories come from incidents in his life or just something he saw that he, you know, asked the age old, what if writing prompt question. And, uh, and I, and that kind of makes me, whenever I'm out, look at the world around me and I, uh, I, it's like, I'll see somebody or not eavesdrop, but just like, you know, when you're passing by and someone's re- relating a story to their friend or something like, and then this happened and I'm like, go. Now I- <laughs> <laughs> oh dear God. <laughs> I'm going to put that into a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you'll hear, you'll hear somebody say, like, so uh, I called my boyfriend Brad, and I'm like, and then Brad said, it's over. Go on. And 
you know, or <laughs> or or whatever, you know. Um, I try not if the person's too emotionally like that. I'm like, okay, I'd feel really shitty if I, you know, crossed it off of that. Let's all wait a few months, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give it time. Uh, <laughs> Let it pass. Yeah, besides. Uh, I, I besides I only write fairly quickly and the person probably doesn't know me so <laughs> but but yeah. it's true though the only, the only way to separate from like the because all the stories have already been written so the only way to make them new is to just take your anecdotal incidences and just put those into you know the same plot line just you know now you have your your flavor of whatever it is that you've experienced in life yeah actually, yeah, yeah uh, yeah, a comic I'm working on now, I'm, I'm working on uh, two that I jump back and forth between, mainly because uh, it's like I'm drawing them in really different styles. I'm, do, I'm doing a horror noir comic, uh, and this is when visual effects are rendering, which, you know, sometimes can take, you know, days if it's a complicated shot. Um, so I'm like, well, I have time to kill, and uh, I, I start getting to work on a... Uh, on like one of my uh, comics and the horror noir comic I'm working on now came from the fact that I misheard somebody, you know, uh, and uh, this isn't going to be the final title of the book because it's similar to another friend of mine's title, but um, I thought, I really thought I heard somebody say Cursed Patrol and I have no idea what they actually said. It was just, you know, I was on the bus, I heard that, and I'm like, like, Cursed Patrol? I'm like, and I thought, huh. So wait, wait, uh, what if a team of heroes are, like, cursed or whatever? And then I, then I, the concept I was working on, like, okay, everybody is like, every time I've seen a curse in the story, it's been with people like, I'm cursed with these really awesome powers that eat away at my soul or whatever, you know, and I'm not knocking creators. It's a good storytelling device, but I thought, what if you had like really, like really shitty luck and your powers were actually non-powers. They were really just destroying your life, but you still had to be, it's always being on like, like performance debilitation. And I thought, okay, I would read that book. Uh, so I've you had a fan of at least one, right? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just sad when I autograph it to myself. But uh, <laughs> um, man, this is gonna sell big later when I buy this back. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm I'm trying not to the speculators market, but uh, <laughs> but it but it's like I but then I spent a lot of time coming up with like really fucked up things to happen to people. And, uh, but not have the book feel, you know, like really just like, oh, this is our only gimmick, still telling a solid story within that. Um, and in that, I started, uh, I, it's been a slow process because I've been doing heavily detailed artwork, um, that like more than I normally do. And me, oh, this book is gonna look, you know, like I, me and everyone else, like Jim Lee is a really big influence and you know especially his uh, uh the uh, the or or the okay i i feel like such a non-fan but uh is that is that campbell who does his inks or am i uh i could be off base here but anyway the heavy the heavy line work etc and things like that me i want my book to look like that about eight hours into the first page 
Oh, why have I gotten myself into it? Well, it's too late now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just slowly I'm devolve as you draw the comic until it's eventually stick figures fighting. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. You know, I it's gonna be. Uh, but but my trick is when I get tired of doing that, I then switch to my to my other comic, which has much simpler uh, simpler work. And that one I'm doing with uh, Copic markers and things like that because I wanted a you know a lot more vivid uh, style. And it's on special Copic paper. I don't know what the actual name for it is because the sketchback cover was ripped off long, <laughs> long ago. So I can't plug that company, but uh, uh, but I will say that uh, it's like, oh, it's vibrant and it's a lot smaller, so it forces me to work with less detail. Uh, hmm. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's you're still just telling a story. It's how you render it. Yeah. yeah, I um my characters in our comics are usually based off people I know, and then I take their personality and it uh if they're a villain but they're not that shitty of a person, I morph it more into them being shitty. Uh, and, but most of the people that want to be villains are actually like just terrible people. So I'm like, okay, that's easy. Uh, there's this one character that used to be my friend but now he's not. So he has a gambling problem, and he's, like, we made his, like, whole arc. story. For yeah. just His whole arc, like, so much better than, like, what it used to be. Yeah, it was, it was going to be, like, we're too quick. It was going to be, like, a swift ending, and I'm like, no, you got to drag this out so that this guy feels beaten down. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting thing too. Is like especially, um, it's like all. I think there's. I would say there's only one technical kind of writing, and that's good writing. You know, it, it's like the story's got to be good, no matter what medium you tell it in. Um, well, the thing I, one thing I love about a difference between like film or prose storytelling, you know, like novels, things like that, or comics, is like, um, it's like whenever I whenever I write prose stories, I love that you can really get into a character's head, you know, and jump around from head to head, and I, you can go on paragraphs explaining emotions, you know, and justifying actions, and that, and that is so great, whereas, you know, film and comics is like show, don't tell, and, you know, people can interpret an actor's expression or a drawing really differently, and, um, you know, now... I, I suppose in comics, you know, you, you can't, uh, it's like they used to have thought balloons, now it's just done in captions. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think to quote Mark Wade, he, uh, he just said, he was making fun of uh, his writing, or the writing of Wolverine, saying that captions allow a silent character like Wolverine to never shut the hell up. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, I'm the best at what I do, and what I do is talk in captions. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but the thing is, on uh, in film uh, and even stage acting, you don't really have that luxury of like a caption coming. I mean, you could do an aside to the audience, but that has to be a, kind of like a specialized film, like Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool, or or what was it House of Cards? They did they did that. Yeah, I think you, yeah, even in a uh, Birds of Prey, you know, 
uh, Harley Quinn's talking to the audience like the entire time. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, okay, I'll say it's actually uh, it was way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> I would say the action scenes are some of the best I've seen in a long, long time because I'm not a fan of shaky cam at all, and they went John Wick style, pulled the camera back so you can see the beautiful choreography. That's awesome, man. Yeah, because, yeah. dude, John, John Wick's is like, that's exactly how I wish most comic books, comic book movies or shows were uh, uh, directed because, like, they're so well thought out. They, the angles amplify it without being, the nece- without being necessary to make it good. Like, you, you can tell he's doing all of those moves. And, you're, and and they're amazing. Like I, I I remember watching the third, the third is three, right? That's the most recent. Yeah, yeah. I was re- watching the third one, and I'm like, like, cause I've been studying martial arts for quite a long time, and I take uh, Jeet Kune Do. Uh, I don't practice it here. I moved when I moved to Nashville, but I know a lot of um, street fighting style, like knowing how to actually fight someone and not just like sports. Right. And so I'm watching him move and I'm like, holy shit, like those are really good, accurate moves that would work. They're not like fluff ones. Like when you see people online that are like, this is how you take a knife from someone. And it's like, you're out of your mind. That guy's 50 pounds more of muscle. He's holding on to that knife and you're dead. That's what just happened. Where like these, like he, he, like he really moved well with, yeah, you're right. They have the camera drawn back so you could see everything as opposed to being so close where you're like, what the hell's going on? And that's, your like your brain makes up what's going on. Yeah, they, yeah. they did superbly well with the with the work and the choreograph um, choreographed work in that. Yeah, and, and those yeah. horses. Oh god, I can't get those scenes out of my head when they were in the stable. Yeah, that that was pretty epic. You know, I I I love I love in anything when uh, any medium when you can really feel the impact, and you know. Oh. You're just <laughs> yeah, it's like, and it's like to me, it's it's like it's an art to having that happen because you know, I've seen so many moves where even something as visceral as like a groin kick in a movie just doesn't really register. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you know, it's supposed to, but uh, I would say uh, Birds of Prey actually does a really good job with that. Um, I I have a feeling a lot of the same stunt crew worked on it, um, but. Uh, but as far as storytelling goes and asides, which um, it's like Harley Quinn or the they should have just called the movie Harley Quinn to be. They frank. almost did. I heard I heard like a, a, a couple months before it released, they were debating about changing the name because it the movie wasn't getting as much hype as they thought it would. And they thought it was because of the fact that people didn't recognize the name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the Birds of Prey, they're. It's first off, if you're, it's not comics accurate. So if you're expecting that, then you're, you're probably gonna hate the movie. But I actually don't know the Birds of Prey reference at, at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like mansplaining, but uh, the, uh, <laughs> but basically, I think um, now I haven't read the, uh, I haven't really read the Gail Simone run, which I heard is excellent. But um, it's like no Oracle isn't there, no Batgirl isn't there. No, uh, like, but you know, yeah, Huntress is there, and I think played well. Um, the movie basically more feels like DC watched a Deadpool and did something similar to that. And I'm I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that it's that's a compliment of anything yeah, <laughs> compared to what DC's been putting out. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I am optimistic. I enjoyed Shazam and Wonder Woman. Uh, you know, Wonder I, Woman was great. Of all of those movies, Wonder Woman. I I actually haven't even seen Shazam yet because that's really good. I was traveling a lot when it got released, and by the time I got back, it was already out of theaters, and uh, so I just never went and watched it. As so I gotta, I gotta watch that eventually. But Wonder Woman was of all of the what was it? Uh, Batman versus Superman and uh, the Justice League, e- even Man of Steel. Like Man of Steel was a good movie, but like Wonder Woman was way better. Like, yeah, it's actually. I, I was actually uh, talking uh, to my girlfriend Sarah about it, and she was saying, you know, uh, that it provoked a really visceral reaction from her, especially the, you know, the famous over-the-top, you know, scene, you know, uh, in the trench warfare. And um, that's the scene. That's one of my favorite scenes in that movie. It's so great. And I think, and obviously, I can't speak towards a a woman's perspective on this. Um, but I think why what I responded to with that was that it was a it was a strong character making a strong choice. And um, and and it's like yeah, she just defied everybody because it was the right thing to do. And I think people really respond to that and like that. And um, and I, and for me, I think in you know in Man of Steel, a lot of people were upset. You know when he killed Zod, and saying Superman doesn't kill people, he doesn't do this and that. And honestly, I can get that. But at the same time, I it's I'm thinking, okay, well you're setting the tone for this universe, and in this well- universe. It yeah, like that hard choice. I was about to say that was the cool thing was that so the the whole that whole universe is supposed to be based off of like the Dark Knight universe. That's why Batman, if if nobody noticed, Batman was murdering the shit out of people in Batman versus he was running people over. She like he didn't like they were dead. Like that wasn't like a it made me think of what was it the the uh the Batman skits from College Humor. He's yeah. sleeping. What? <laughs> Is that what you think just happened? Like he was he was murking people. Like that's how that movie's supposed to go. That's why uh, the Justice League sucked because the whole movie Batman's like, oh, I want my boyfriend back. I'm like, what just happened? Like, dude, you were like a badass 13 seconds ago, and now you're crying. And not only that, Batman's supposed to be one of the most calculated superheroes, and he's like, yeah, let's wake up a zombie mutant that might murder us all just because we can't fight this guy that Wonder Woman with her family used to beat, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. And, like, it was very – it was not well done. And then the thing that sucked was, like, Aquaman was a decent movie. Like, it was all right. But the thing is that it wasn't the same universe. Like, that was a, that was more of the um, Ragnarok-style movie. But, like, it was done in a universe where everything's dark. So it, it, it just seemed out of place of the universe, even though it was a decent movie. But it, it, it definitely was the Ragnarok feel versus the rest of the, you know, DC films. Yeah, I, yeah. For me, uh, issues I had with Justice League even uh, is the. Uh, it's actually a fun game to play with your friends of spot the reshoots. Um, <laughs> but uh, but, um, but with, with that is what makes me sad is the parts of it that work. Uh, just make just make what could have been um, just all the more depressing because I honestly I like Cyborg. He's one of my favorite DC. He was he had he was the only person in that entire movie that got a backstory and it was fucking good. But like 
I, I found out um, last week, my brother's watching a video and we're listening to it. And it turns out that after Batman or before Batman versus Superman was put in theaters, they were actually going to have the Justice League movie be a trilogy. Then, um, then because I think it was something like once Batman versus Superman came out, they they instead said, you know what? Instead, we're going to do two movies. We'll just pretend Batman versus Superman was the first of the trilogy because of how bad it did comparatively to what it should have done. Right? Then what ended up? And, and my brother said he watched the um, the extended version of Batman versus Superman, and it made it exceptionally better. Like they should have just released the longer movie as opposed to only putting it out on DVD. Um, and then after what was the Suicide Squad came out. They freaking knocked it down to only one movie for the Justice League. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. The reason Marvel did so well is I cared about every character individually first, yeah. and then they mashed together. Where bat like the Batman versus Superman, that was okay. We already got introduced to Superman. We've seen Batman's story a thousand times, so that was okay to bring him in that way. And then, you know, they didn't even need to really bring in Wonder Woman for that, but it was interesting so that they could then spin off for her solo. But then they just did the Justice League out of nowhere, and they brought in two new characters we're supposed to care about. And they had a god who is manhandling everyone. They bring back Superman, and he's like, okay, let me just handle him like like a three-year-old, right? Like, it didn't make any sense. I'm like, why do you need the rest of the Justice League if Superman can apparently bitch slap a god like it's no problem? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, I... And what you were saying, too, about building up the characters, uh, I really agree with, you know, and because, it, it, like, you know, Wonder Woman appeared on screen. Yeah, I was I was invested in her because we had already seen her in uh, two movies, one being a really good solo movie. Uh, and the thing is, like, Cyborg, I knew from the comics, so and I liked his portrayal. Uh, some of my friends who weren't as familiar with the comics were like well he seemed cool i mean i didn't know much about him and i'm like yeah i know right i was so disappointed because of how good it was i'm like it could have been like i really wish they just made a cyborg movie before the justice league that's how good i think that could have been i mean yeah honestly he's a very interesting character and i like uh i like the actor that played him um, yeah he did a, he did a really good job for the minimal amount of time they spent on him and that's why it's like, God, I wish I'd, lo I'd love to see that. Like, but because of how bad that movie did and all the other DC ones before it, minus Wonder Woman, like they're they I'm pretty sure they're nixing that whole universe now that they're doing the uh, the new Batman with the, the Twilight Kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, uh, oh, yeah. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Well, there you go. His name, but not my friends. Uh, until until I see the Batman movie, like, cause I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the actor just from the Twilight movies. I've seen, I've seen, it was the first, I saw the first one and it was just terrible. And I saw another one and it was all right. But he's like in other movies that are way better though. Yeah. But I, I got so scarred from that one, but now that he's going to be in Batman, I'm going to see Batman. So like, yeah. I'll, I'll give him that chance. Um, but apparently like they're even having trouble trying to put weight on him right now, like muscle weight, like they, he, like they're, they're hiring more specialists to try to like beef this kid up because he's just not naturally large. Where like Ben Affleck was huge. I was so stoked. I was like, dude, he looks like the Dark Knight version of Batman where he's the old man who had to put on a ton of muscle so he could wield the armor to fight Superman. I'm like, it's fucking awesome. You know that that's that's something funny. I was just you made me think of with comic movies nowadays is like 
and also yeah, growing the actors is like how much they work out to look like the drawings because you know, I kind of came from an era where the muscles were sculpted into the suits, and like Michael Keaton would just yeah, travel up. Michael Keaton—that's the first one I think of. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not knocking his portrayal, but I'm just thinking, no, it's the fact that everybody towers over him, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that, or even you know, like uh, yeah, when Val Kilmer or George Clooney took over the parts, like I know you guys did not work out for these. Uh, yeah. You like, know. like they played the Playboy part really well because they were actors that are rich already, so it kind of worked out. But yeah, the Batman parts, like they were very comic book, old comic book style, where like the Dark Knight graphic novels that are like really like there's a lot to those characters, way more than the original. And so it's so much like you need to be in that role <laughs> so much more. Yeah. I- you know, I, I respect the, the hell out of the actors that train and, you know, and do that. Um, Method acting, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah a bit of that. It's like, I mean, but even somebody like, a, if I screw up her name and we ever work together, I'm sorry, but like Zoe Saldana, you know, from the Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like she, even though she's not a martial artist, she's had a ton of dance training. And you can see that the way she moves and does her fight scenes, you know. And as the audience, you know, we, you know, I think we respond more positively, like, oh, man, she is, she is really kicking ass, you know. I get to see the character do that. And, yeah. You know, I, because, like, my, I, I sometimes, uh, I like seeing if I can spot doubles in scenes. And, you know, if a character is super skilled and the actor is, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not going to begrudge an actor for not having trained, you know, since they were a teenager to be an assassin, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the Jackie. That's why I love Jackie Chan movies because he does every single role or every single stunt in them. Even even what was that? He was in a movie like within the last five years, and he's like sixty or seventy years old or something, and he was doing fight scenes. I'm like, damn, Jackie, like that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I respect that dedication. You know, that wanting to give the audience that. Um, okay, so. Uh, I went to film school and a teacher of mine worked on the movie The Last Samurai and he was showing us how something where and still I I'm not, don't say it scarred me but it has me suspicious of everything nowadays where they would um, like during the final battle scene like the insurance companies wouldn't let like Tom Cruise or Ken Watanabe do the extra dangerous horse stunts so if you see shots of them in the movie, they're CGI heads on there. And in in The Last Samurai? Yeah. Damn, that's an old movie. I'm surprised I wouldn't have noticed that. But well, they did do. It's like it's something where the moment it's pointed out, you can kind of see it. Hmm. But um, it's probably during more swift scenes, so that it's harder to notice the motion blur. Yeah, Where, well, like you put that on a 4K TV now, I bet it stands out pretty aggressively. But the the older movies, oh yeah, there yeah there there's a ton of you know effects, and I mean, it's not like 2003 or something like that, but uh, it was yeah. around, I, I know it was around the time when Return of the King came out, but uh, but yeah, it was um, Jesus, that was 2003. <laughs> we're old. I I know I, I felt a uh, another silver hair coming. And, <laughs> I would get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the way, I 
I do have a vague semblance to uh, Reed Richards the way he's drawn now. So if Marvel's thinking of casting, and <laughs> they watch this podcast. Um, yeah, I am totally uh, underqualified but willing to take the part. Uh, yeah. Oh God, why can't the Fantastic Four have a good movie? I'm, you know. Well, now now that Disney has access to that, I maybe uh, John Krasinski. I'm. Ooh. I'd be up for that, but uh, yeah. yeah, and his but, yeah, wife like, should actually be Invisible Woman, because <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. But yeah, the like, I, based on the fact that I've seen how Marvel can handle someone like Spider-Man, I think that me, meaning the the new Marvel, right? Um, yeah. Because like, based on that alone, I feel way more optimistic about uh, Fantastic Four with with Disney. But the uh, what was it? Because I think the first movie they're going to make is actually Silver Surfer. I think. They're making a Silver Surfer movie now. No, no, I'm saying, but I think that that's before the Fantastic Four will be released. Oh, yeah. Which would be fucking awesome because they can Guardian of the Galaxy that shit, put it out there, don't have him come to Earth, find out his back. Because he has an amazing. The Silver Surfer is one of my dad's favorite superheroes. Because he has an amazing backstory where essentially he has to give up his entire existence to save his family, and he but he has to do the darkest things to do it. Yeah, I yeah, I love that origin of the Silver Surfer. Uh, uh, and I think you know, he, he's a very interesting character. Uh, you know, and I, I always like the the fish out of water element of him, especially when it comes to, uh, I would say in some cases, like a morally superior being trying to understand people. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, that, that's kind of the thing. It's like he, he basically goes from a human to be being a deity. Right. And yes. then he has to, and he has to, he has to basically disconnect his world just so he can do what he has to do to keep his family safe. And eventually he comes to Earth and it all hits him again. He's like, "Oh, I'm just a man, right?" And then he uses this, you know, divine power to fight, fight back, right? And I like that's why it's such a cool thing. It's like he was gifted this power and now he's using it to do good again. Yeah, I, yeah, I love. I, I mean, I, I love a great character arc, you know, and I like comics and just characters and in any medium that actually have a change in growth. Um. Well, that's why, what's it called? Uh, Dragon Ball Z, Vegeta's some of people's favorite characters because he's the bad guy turned good. Yeah, I find, I, I mean, I love stories of redemption like that. You know, I, it's like I, I try to come from the school of writing where, like, the, like, villains aren't, you know, don't see themselves as villains or things like that. I mean... Al Pacino, I believe it was, right, be, right after he got arrested... While he's, or is like, is that that, or like he was writing it while he was in jail? Used to explain how he really thought he did nothing wrong. Yeah. And it's like, but like right down to the core. Oh. Oh, do we lose your uh, your video yeah. feed there? Yeah, hang on. I. Sorry, low power mode. Let me just get a chart. Let me get a chart. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we could probably end it soon too. <laughs> yeah. That way, that way your phone doesn't die on you. Yeah, and I can eat something because I'm starving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, hang on. I'm trying to think of a positive message to uh, give the youth of America who are listening to this. Uh, <sighs> now that we just shit on DC, <laughs> at least we praised Silver Surfer, so. <laughs> be, be good. <laughs> yeah, hang on. Let me uh, say. Okay, come on. Got the charger in, so. And I'm pressing buttons, so hopefully this works. Button, button. Uh-huh. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm about um the Oh, we so, were talking about Fantastic Four, that's where we were tangent it off. Okay, yeah, Fantastic Four. I think, you know, with even a character like uh Doctor Doom, who's my favorite villain of all time and watching over me. <laughs> yeah, he's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean the thing is there was a really great uh six issue arc uh, you know, detailing his like more details into his origin story, and yeah, he's he's a bit nuts, but oh, I mean, like his the background he has is nuts. Like he he's one of the most built out villains in all of Marvel comic books. He's one of the three people in the entire uh, universe to ever wield the gauntlet, other than Thanos. Yeah, he, yeah, he's very. Um, I mean, I I mean, you read about what his mother did to you know like. Spoiler alert, I guess, but, um, uh, you know, when she gives her soul to, I think, Mephisto, you know, just to ensure the safety of her family, and he just spends his whole life wanting to get her back, I'm like, I'm thinking, yeah, I think we can all relate to that emotion of a lost loved one, you know, um, and wanting, wanting them back, I think he goes about it in a very, very terrible way, but, <laughs> um, Wrong. <laughs> Yeah, actually, even in the um, in the Doom twenty ninety nine, the original uh, like futuristic arc that came out in the nineties. Oh, twenty ninety nine. Yeah, I love the fact that it was still it... Victor Von Doom. Uh, like, because every other version had these different characters. Like, um, was that I, the one where Spider Man was like the super Spider Man? Like, he absorbed like the cosmos energy or something like that. Oh no. Uh, no, this was, oh. uh, uh, my God. Because there's a 2099 Spider-Man, but I can't remember what. Hang on, let me find it. Yeah, I've got him on. There we go. That's the uh, 2099 costume. Oh, yeah, yeah, never mind, yeah. Yeah. Because that was always, like, the coolest one to unlock in, like, the old PlayStation 1. Yeah. Uh... Thank you. Somebody else remembers that game. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was one of the best PlayStation games ever. That It was that Tony Hawk. And uh, the other game I played was Dragon Ball Z, but it was we had to import it from Japan, buy a special CD to to convert the PlayStation into a Japanese playable disc, and it allowed you to like open the PlayStation. Like, you know, like if you hit the open button on the PS One, it would freeze. Yeah. You put the special disc in that would allow that would um, turn it into a Japanese PlayStation. Essentially, you were able to open it up, swap out the disc and put it in. And it was one of the best Dragon Ball Z games ever made, even to date. Like it's nice. so fucking good. But yeah, that PlayStation game was awesome. They had every single Spider-Man in that too. Yeah. I, I, I love that. You know, it's like, I do like the new Spider-Man game that came out. I thought it was great, but I heard it was amazing, but I have not played it yet. It is amazing. Yeah. I, <laughs> I beat it. <laughs> <laughs> <Six months. laughs> Thanks for backing me up there, Greg. Uh, you, 
They said, did you play the, uh, did you play the DLC story mode? Uh, that's the only stuff I didn't play, but I, I beat, like, the main story, like, with, uh, Doc Doc and stuff. Okay, I, I'd say I, I'd recommend it just in case, uh, Marvel ever wants to sponsor me and I, uh, work with it, <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, I mean, I would say, it, I'd say it's good, it's, it's a little underwhelming in terms of how it resolves, because, I mean, it resolves to an open world story of, like, like, oh, okay, got that down. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Well, the old Spider-Man kind of did that, too, just because everyone likes to just open world that game. Like, it's yeah. so much fun to swing around, so they can't really, like, conclude it so you can't go back out and have fun. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's like, I mean, even thinking of the story arc and the, the um, just with gaming in general, I find really interesting because it's like people, because um, people experience games in a different way, you know, which is why I think a lot of video game to movie adaptions tend to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, is like, um, yeah, if you take something like, well, I played through it this way, uh, writers, developers, whoever was in charge of this, you know, had a different experience and like, oh, I can't connect. Or, or they try to make it too much themselves and not the experience of the game. I feel like that's more the reality. It's not so much that they experience it different as much as they're trying to so drastically change the experience. Uh, like, what was it? Actually, back to Dragon Ball. When they made that Dragon Ball Evolution movie, that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, let alone, you know, uh, a version of Dragon Ball. Like, you know, like just just as a movie, it was terrible, let alone the terrible, like, style of nostalgia they tried to keep. Well, it, it was just awful. <laughs> oh, definitely. It's like, I haven't seen the new Sonic movie. I mean, I heard... Nah, I still want to see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard it's pretty good, so I can't pass it. I think it's still in theaters, isn't it? Didn't it just come out, like, Valentine's Day or something? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a chance to catch it, but... Um, I'll, I'll see if I can get there. Yeah. yeah catch a matinee. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like I enjoyed... Uh, I did enjoy, like, Detective Pikachu, you know, because, like... That was actually a good movie. There, there was only one thing in the entire movie I wish they didn't have in there, and it was, like, one time they brought up something political, and I was like, oh, he didn't need that. Outside of that... The rest of the movie, I thought was a great movie. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, I thought I was like, okay, this, you know, I understand that. I mean, of course, as an adult, there's like no mystery to it, you know. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> like you know what happened the whole time, yeah. But but it's more like you just enjoy the ride, and for me, I was just like, I I was fanboying out over seeing like, oh my god, uh, they they have a, you know, they have this one in there, and I'm like, dude, Gengar, Blastoise, right, like I was all about those. To say, yeah. I was say, I didn't know Gengar was in this. No, no, real quick, did you register that that was Gengar versus Blastoise? Do you know that reference? Yeah, I did. The fucking Pokemon games, right in the beginning. Exactly. Those are the. I was like, yes. <laughs> I, I, I got. It's like it did take me a an extra second, but I then when I got that, I, I, I felt like that. Plus yeah, one, I, yeah, that was very positive. I was excited about that. that meme of, like my head exploding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And prior to that, I'm trying to think of other good video game movie adaptions. Oh, like Witcher. Like, some people were okay. uh, not a huge fan of it, but, like, honestly, it was still re- really well done. Like, it could have been much worse. And for if you didn't play the game, I think it was much more enjoyable. But the meaning, so mean, meaning it was just a good show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, e- even if you played the game, I think it's it's still a really well done version of it because 
the, like the biggest issue is you can't in a movie you can't make someone without emotion because then you don't get attached to the character and in so in the show like they had to give him emotion even though he's not supposed to have it yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. so like that was kind of what made the show different but you needed to do it or it wouldn't have been enjoyable yeah, yeah. we talked about that in another episode of our podcast yeah yeah i'm finding that you know um when Netflix is developing like a Legend of Zelda series, I'm thinking, well, good luck. Really? So, yeah. They're, uh, he doesn't talk, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking either Link. Listen. Or... <laughs> oh, dear God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking either Link is going to have nothing to say. Like, he'll just be about to say something. Nothing to say as usual, Link. God. <laughs> It's, I think at Skyward Sword, they actually gave him dialogue options. Really? Yeah. Um, I haven't played that one. Yeah, it's okay. I like how it fleshes out the world and explains where the Sky people came from, etc. Um, <laughs> I'd have to say that you have to put up with Wii motion control, so if you're not a fan, you know. Yeah. That's but, why I never played it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, But like, Zelda in general is definitely one of the most well-developed universes for a video game like all of those games collide in some fashion and if you try to look it up online there's like this multi-timeline yeah. that branches off but it's all intentional and it's it's, it's a mind fuck to like look that stuff up and try to follow along yeah i yeah finding out that the original game was like an apocalyptic version where everything went wrong i'm like Oh, that was way darker than I thought. That's it's really cool though. Like that was the yeah. intention was that it's it's one of three possible endings to a different story, which is why this story is so dark. And it's like that's crazy. You have a favorite Legend of Zelda game? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, probably I'd have to say Ocarina of Time for me. Yes. Uh, that's mine. But like everyone yes. is Majora's Mask. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know why. why. Uh, for me, uh, Majora's Mask, I do love it. Uh, I love the time travel feature, especially with storytelling. Um, it, for me, that moon is just so fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah everyone hates the moon. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 I, that I'm all like, you know, uh, like, really? Uh, the crashing moon wasn't already an impending threat? Yeah. <laughs> the hideousness of that moon would haunt my dreams forever. <laughs> but, but yeah, for, uh, for Ocarina of Time, uh, for me, is... I thought it had a very solid story. Uh, to, it, to me, it had just enough, like, wonder and... I don't want to say the word whimsy, but, like, what... In fantasy universes, I respond to stuff like Zelda or even something like the Netflix Dark Crystal series where you can just sit back... That. Yeah, you can just sit back and go, whoa, I am so lost in this world. You know? Um, well, the, it, it's, it's a good... It's kind of like... Um... Not not in the same story sense, but uh, what's it called? Uh, like Assassin's Creed is such a good story, and it's like I, I I literally never played the game. I watched my brother play the game because it was like a movie, and yeah. so like Ocarina of Time, my first experience with it was just watching a friend play it, and as opposed to being like, oh, let me play, I'm like, just keep going. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, this is really cool. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's the stories. I think that I don't want to say. Like, oh, we can relate to this because I've never tried to search for the Triforce of Power, you know, so... I <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never wielded a sword on top of a horse while fighting, you know. <laughs> then have you really lived? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like even... Uh... I have deflected nuts with a shield, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but have any of us ever had a, uh, worn a pointy hat, you know? Uh... <laughs> 
ideally green, but you know, we could have water or fire elements. Yeah. Uh, but I'd have to say the only other really standout thing of like at least getting it somewhat right, and yes, it's dated, but I enjoyed the nineties, the first Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, <laughs> I remember them. It was it was good, yeah. It's yeah. old uh, yeah, it 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 doesn't like age well. Like it's not still a great movie, but it was a good movie when it came out. Okay, I, I, I will defend a couple fight scenes to the death on those, but I will say if you look at reptile CGI and like, yeah, that. that, that was that was that one where they made Scorpion like the thing came out of his hand instead of yeah. it being an actual weapon that he wields, even though all the games that's how it is. Yeah, but in all fairness, they were going off a of flimsy art from like the games and things like that, so they so they went that route, and I'm thinking. Okay, not having that information, I'll respect that for the filmmakers. Um, but I think they should have just hired uh, Greg and I met him, but Daniel yeah, Pacino, the guy, the guy who played all of those like eighty percent of the characters in the game, yeah. played all of the like Scorpion, Sub Zero, Reptile, all the uh, all the ninjas, as well as Luke Cage and maybe Raiden. I don't remember if he did Raiden. Someone else might have done Raiden, but I know he did Luke Cage and all of the ninjas. Johnny Cage? Yeah, I was about to say. Or Johnny, yeah, sorry, Johnny Cage. Yeah, Luke Cage. Sorry, I've been watching Luke Cage. But yeah, he played Johnny Cage and all of the uh, the ninjas. We met him at, like, Saratoga or Albany Comic Con. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if I do a, a drawing of Luke Cage versus Johnny Cage just based on this, can I tag you guys as saying thanks for the inspiration? Oh, yeah. definitely. Dude, that'd be, that'd be ridiculous. So, but... But yeah, for me, it's like, oh, okay, run uh, a universe quibble I just have that popped into my head. You know, we're all familiar with Scorpion's iconic get over here. Yeah. Okay, in the new games, he's talking in a regular voice, you know, voiced by a proper actor. You know what, the, uh, uh, Hanzo, what's his name? Uh. Crap. He's I, like I, my favorite character, that's why I'm embarrassed, I don't remember his name. Yeah, I just keep telling him Hanzo, but, uh. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, so I'm like, wait a sec. I thought he would talk like that all the time. So, <laughs> so like, is he just retained the get over here voice for what when, when he's fighting people? I mean, you know, because he talks in a somewhat mild, you know, yeah, voice. much calmer, less deep voice, yeah. And I, oh. and I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. I was really hoping he would just carry on entire conversations like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just talking like this the whole time. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they they actually did it. Like, have you played through the um the the latest game, the whole story? Of course, yeah. That that was so well done, and it made all the other games make sense too, which was perfect. It was such a great way to do it. Uh, yeah, and I. And I cannot wait for March 17th because Spawn is coming out, and he's like my favorite indie character. That's uh, awesome. I, I think, uh, what was it? Was it? I don't remember if he was the original drawer, but I know that we... Uh, what? Bob McFarlane. No, no, I'm thinking of the... So it wasn't the original drawer, but uh, what's his face? Greg Capullo, who, who lived like down the street from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, somewhere nearby. Uh, oh my god, I would have... Uh, I've had to fight hard not to stalk Greg Capullo. He's an amazingly talented artist. He, I, I lived in Gilderland, New York before I moved here, and it's I think right. he moved recently, but he was like he maybe a mile, two miles away from me in Altamont, New York. Oh, wow. That... <laughs> yeah, we, we met um, one. There's like a local bank that was right across the street from my apartment complex, 
and the owner's mom, or not the owner, the, uh, maybe, no, he's not the owner, what was he? Was like, maybe it's just the manager man. or the VP or something like that, but um, his his mom was like friends with him and had had him draw up, uh, he, she didn't have him do it, she just was chatting with him and she, he drew up a uh, picture of the Joker uh, and, and you know, wrote all the ha-has on it and signed it. Um, Greg Capullo, like, you know, a friend of yours and like gave that to her, her husband. Oh my god, I mean, that's amazing. I, I love, when, yeah, you know, our, when you know, a really busy artist takes the time to do that. That's you know, yeah, that well, yeah, that's the cool thing is that's a really awesome story to know. Like, you know, he, he just you know did that for him, which is amazing. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, it's like I, I like doing things like that, especially whenever you know, it's like I have my schedule, you know, I have my commissions, but if I have time, it's like a, a friend, you know, a friend of mine, um. Like her son just turned, I think, four and was introduced to Batman, the animated series. And I was like, okay, avoid these episodes if you don't want to traumatize the child. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but but these ones are okay. And uh, uh, he became a big fan of Batman, so I uh, so I think it was his birthday. I just I did a Batman drawing, uh, gave it to him. Apparently, he uh, he keeps it over his like like directly over his bed every night. So. <laughs> He said, "That's Batman. awesome." So he knows Batman's watching over him, and I'm thinking, "Okay, thanks for reminding me why I do this." Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. That'd be cool if the kid's name was Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm actually wondering if I can talk steroids. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, that's. Um, yeah, with um, yeah, Greg Capullo's Batman was great. Um, and was I he, did he work on the the metal one or the fifty two one? I, I don't remember which one he worked on. Metal, metal. I think he did both. Um, because oh, was the metal one. one. I know he did the Court of Owls storyline, mm. uh, which might have been a fifty two one. I uh, I I was going to say since we spent a little bit of time bashing some of DC. Uh, no, wait, wait, we defended the Harley Quinn movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, the show Gotham is fucking amazing. Like, I, dude, I want to see, I, like, I know it's not going to, but I would love to see Gotham play out, and five years from now, ten years from now, they make a movie with all the same exact actors. Like, that would be so fucking amazing. That would. Yeah, that would. I, I, I didn't get all the way through Gotham. Uh, I'm almost to... done. I think I'm on the last season of it. Okay, yeah. It's like, it's like I'd started it, then life happened or whatever. I, <laughs> yeah, that happened to me, and then one night I couldn't sleep, so I'm like, I'll put on Gotham, and then like a season and a half later, I'm like, shit, I almost finished it. It's like huh. I, it's like I enjoyed the Flash uh, for the most part. Uh, there are definitely things I have problems with with the story, but and I now have problems with it because it's more like Iris central. Oh, don't anything. Like... I'm still catching up on that. <laughs> yeah. What about Arrow? Are you caught up on that yet? Uh, no, well, I watched them all at the same time, so if I was caught up on The Flash, I'd be caught up on the air. <laughs> okay, well, so, so um, yeah, okay, sorry, without revealing things, but The Arrow, uh, I I gave up on it, uh, I'll be honest, after season three, I want to say. Oh, I, I'm past that. I'm I'm up to, like, season five, I think. Uh, okay, yeah, for, for me, it's like Arrow season one was kind of iffy, but I would still give it a shot, and... Uh, you didn't like season one? 
Okay, let me explain because I have one. I <laughs> not, not just one, but one thing that bothered me with Arrow Season One is that apparently people did not believe in cell phones back then because they would have random scenes of people coming over to someone's place. And, hey, just wanted to check up on you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm finally. <laughs> okay, and he leaves. I'm like. You could have just fucking called her. I didn't. I didn't notice that until. I mean, yeah, I no, I've noticed that. I thought that was funny, but does your mansion have locks? You know. <laughs> well, dude, that's like in Gotham, where like Cat just walks in, and it's like, what? Like, aren't you a billionaire? Like, couldn't other people do that? Like. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, season one, uh, I thought it had potential, so I kept watching. I thoroughly enjoyed season two, though. I love the Deathstroke story arc. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, then I became, honestly, I became more a fan of The Flash. Yeah, The Flash got much better from that point on. Like, I still watch the Arrow, or I still watch Arrow, not the Arrow, Arrow, um, because it's it's part of it. But if if they, like, ended that before The Flash, like, I wouldn't have been complaining but there there was definitely like a couple things I really loved. I don't remember if this was in DC Legends of Tomorrow or if it was in Arrow. I don't remember which one it was in, but there was some time thing going on. That's the only reason I can't remember. Um and I just remember they in they were in the way future and it had Arrow with the missing arm. Yeah. Did you see that one? I did I, I did actually catch that part. Like that was fucking awesome because that the only the only time I remember that happening is in the Dark Knight, when they like were disbanding all um, superheroes, and they—I don't remember—I I think it was the government that actually like fucking cut off Arrow's arm so that he could no longer, you know, wield an arrow. But in the in the cartoon rendition of um, of uh, the Dark Knight, Bat, like when Batman fights Superman, there's that scene where you know Superman or he's trying to fight uh, Superman with the suit and. Uh, I think Batman threw something to Kryptonite. Basically, Superman was like lasered it or blasted it away, and he's like, "You're not gonna get me with those tricks." And so, out of nowhere, like you see Arrow like running across rooftops, or Green Arrow in that running across the rooftops and getting shot at, and then you see him hanging off the edge of a building, and with like his teeth and his good arm, he shoots an arrow at Superman, and he just like turns and catches. He's like, "Yeah, you thought you had me," and it had like a kryptonite dust bomb on the end of it it blew up in his face and that's when batman stands up and he's holding up superman after punching him in the face and he's like he's like i just want you to remember that today is the day that i beat you so like all of that scene flashed in my head when i saw arrow with a missing arm i'm like oh like it's so epic yeah the, uh, i i like that that they tied in all these universes uh because it's a really tricky thing to do you know uh, well like having soup so have you seen supergirl I uh, I watched the pilot episode, I'll say, but uh but, but like so you know that it's do you know that it's in a different universe? At first I didn't, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so like but it's cool because it makes sense because there's things that happen in Star City and um uh what's the the other city? Central City. <laughs> Central City, thank you. So there's there's stuff that happens in those cities that if Supergirl or Superman existed it should have been resolved that way, right? Like, it wouldn't make any sense. They wouldn't call them. And so it's so perfect to know that they're in a totally different universe, making that call much more difficult. And so it was like, that. that's such a cool way to do it so that we can enjoy them both. They can also have crossovers, but not have it ma not make sense. 
Like, like whenever a, a Batman scene is like fighting someone of superhuman power, like why isn't Superman on the phone, right? You know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, that that does make sense and clear up a lot. And the thing is, I know uh, people take issue with how like people say, "Oh, Superman, Supergirl." Like basically, every Kryptonian is overpowered. And I, I can understand that argument, but I would also say that, you know, there are many great writers who have been able to make them, you know, still relevant, still relatable. Yeah, humanized. And, yeah, humanized, but also like, sh you know, showing them with vulnerabilities and things like that, other than kryptonite. Well, like, the, the biggest thing with um, Superman is he's supposed to be all-powerful, but not know that like that what he's doing is the right thing which is the whole reason in the dark man's uh, dark knight saga superman gives himself up to the government and he's like i no longer want to be the decision maker because i don't want to have to justify what i did right yeah, like yeah there was actually um i think for that unmade kevin smith film the for a while the script was online where they had an interesting bit i remember lex luther talking they're like say so, you know superman's changing the world and it might not be for the better yeah and, uh, he said like he's interfered with so like every time a volcano erupts superman stops it every time there's a tsunami and he said he's you know he's literally fighting nature and i thought see to me that's where you make the character interesting it's not the powers that make somebody interesting i mean the powers are the wish fulfillment part of you know superhero stories it it um and yeah, I find, uh, uh, okay, a writing part quibble I had with uh, Supergirl is that, okay, so uh, Kara in the, arrives on Earth as a teenager, right? Where, and she's, you know, adopted, raised, etc. And I remember in that pilot episode, uh, uh, she's on some random date or whatever, and the guy asks the question, so where are you from? And she, like, freezes. It's like, up north? She says, and... I think to myself, you've been here since a teenager. You're, what, in your 20s now? And you have not thought of a cover story in case anyone <laughs> asks you this question. Well, they, they actually kind of go a little in-depth on that. It's the fact that she left Krypton almost as a teenager. Like, like, she was, like, 12 or 14 or something like that. So she had already grown up as that person where Superman didn't even know he was from Krypton. He was a human who got superpowers, right? Like that's what happened yeah, in his yeah. head. And so you got to think about that fact that like when somebody asks you a question and your family knows you're from Krypton, right? So you can have that conversation at home. It does make it difficult when someone asks you a question, you're like, oh yeah, I'm uh, no, not from that place. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it, it does kind of make sense. You know, I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think for me, it was just played off as too much of like people don't act that way. Yeah, well, don't don't I forget mean, I, too. Even though she's a teenager, she was in the Phantom Zone for what was it, a decade or something? Okay, she was yeah. in. The, so she's not only fourteen; she's technically lived like twenty-four years as a Kryptonian, knowing all of that knowledge. And now she's on Earth. Technically, she's been in her head a Kryptonian longer than she's been on Earth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But... <laughs> I would say with that explanation, it does clarify that line. Uh, yeah, like when if you watch the rest of the show, because don't get me wrong, it's definitely of all those shows, it's not the best show. But yeah. like honestly, DC Legends of Tomorrow became a great show. Like I actually very much like that show. 
Um, but Supergirl, yeah, it's it, like some of the stuff that's weird too is like, um, so this is this part isn't weird, but they make her sister a lesbian, and then it turns out every woman she meets in the entire city also is conveniently a lesbian, and I'm like, the statistical odds of that is just weird. Like it just they 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 do stuff like that that I don't like, where it's like you can make a good show, you don't have to push an agenda. Like, come on. Yeah, I I find you know. Because, like, some of the characters in my own work, you know, are LGBT, and I, you know, like, in the art community, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of identities, and I think, yeah, it should definitely be represented. Yeah, but, which they, they did, but, like, they, they, there was, I don't remember what it was, it must have been, like, two or three episodes in a row where, like, every single person she met just happened, like, and I'm just, like, is there some magnet in the air, like, you're pulling these people towards you, because, like, there, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. It, it makes sense to have it so that it happens every once in a while, like it does in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I think the problem, I think where I have a problem though is like when people, when creators like feel like they go through a checklist. So it's like we won't offend. That, that's what I mean. That's why it. it felt like it felt pushed. Like my cousin said he watched, um, what was it? Black Lightning. Is that? Yeah. Black yeah. And he and he told me like. The entire show, like, that's the entire agenda, like, is to push, like, I think the bad guy is literally a black guy that's albino. So, like, it's, yeah. like, white's yeah. evil, and it's, like, Jesus, like, we get it. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my bad. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. it, they, like, there's a huge, where Luke Cage, there's tons of times where there's stuff like that that happens, and it's, it it, it fits perfectly. Like, I very much love Luke Cage. Like, that, 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 that was probably one, one, one of my favorite shows. Yeah, definitely. I thought Luke Cage was fantastic, you know, and in my in my opinion, Blade is what kicked off the trend of comic book movies, you know. Dude, I, I, I always forget that. Like, I'm so excited for the Blade that's coming, like, because they're making Blade again. I'm like, yeah. that's, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, the guy that plays uh, Cottonmouth, he's going to be Blade. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did I not realize that? I even saw him. That's awesome. <laughs> that's fucking cool. Yeah. Although, wait, that's weird, though. That means that Blade can't be in that comic book universe. Uh, wait, how far are you in? I'm like... No, no, so real quick. Real quick. Daredevil, one second. No, that's the thing, is that Daredevil is in the Marvel Universe. And, and so all of those shows are in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. So to have Cottonmouth become Blade, unless it literally is Cottonmouth becoming Blade, you know what I mean? Yeah. I. Yeah, that's... I was excited because the guy's a talented actor, but yeah, I was. I just, but I, just, yeah, that's a weird. Because remember, in the very uh, like first or second episode of Daredevil, they show the attack on New York City with the alien breaking through on a um on like a newspaper article, and then when what's his face, uh, the Punisher's first introduced, they reference Agents of Shield. Yeah, I think I think you know they reference the New York attack, you know, throughout the series. Yeah, but I mean, but like they show a photo of that yeah. alien breaking through a building on a newspaper. So yeah. it's like the yeah. actual attack, not like, you know, like it could have been any attack. They just, you know, ooh, like like the Marvel unit. No, it it's the there's a picture. <laughs> and they yeah. talk and then they reference obviously the the verbal references um throughout the whole show. But then um what was it? Uh I think it was something along the lines of when because uh, I haven't seen the Punisher show yet. I, I'm so far behind in all these. Life, life caught up. But I watched when the Punisher was in Daredevil, and yeah. they mention how they went to, they go to the hospital, and they mention how 
Um, a man was shot up. He should have been dead. And a bunch of people in black suits showed up. And they were clearly referencing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when they mentioned it. Because, like, I don't remember how else they talked about it. But they were, they were, they were um, looking over uh, – forgot the Punisher's real name. But they were looking oh, – Frank. Frank, yeah. They were looking over Frank uh, at the hospital saying, like, oh, something, you know, something's up here. So they were watching him. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, now they've tied in everything because that was – Agent Shield was the only thing that wasn't referenced in Daredevil until that point, and so now, yes, now they're all connected again. Yeah, yeah, I, I find, yeah, I find that you know, um, I I don't know what the what the movies had against the Netflix series. I mean, especially with the uh, with an Endgame, you know, er, like as many char- surviving characters came to battle, and they yeah. could, they could have just had like. Daredevil there for like five yeah. seconds, like fighting it's, someone. It's just like, yeah, none of the defenders showed up, you know. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, maybe Doctor Strange just forgot their part on the all assembled. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, <laughs> now, guys. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think um, Daredevil. I love Daredevil season one. Uh, season two was hit or miss for me. And yeah, I think that's the last one I saw. I think I still have to watch. Three is amazing. Three. I, I think I've, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, don't spoil three though, because three is the one I gotta watch. Still, I watched one and two. I watched Luke Cage season one. Oh, wait, two is more studying. Or I watched just so what's that? I watched it was Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Daredevil two, Luke Cage. I'm finishing up Luke Cage season one, I think, because it's so freaking long. I think I'm thinking I was on season two, and I'm like, oh my god, this is just a really long season one. Um, yeah, I think that's as far as I got. Yeah, the uh, prepare to be let down by Iron Fist. Uh, I, I've heard, yeah. <laughs> uh, is, the only thing I'm hoping is there's good martial arts scenes. That's all I, I saw. Prepare to be let down by Iron Fist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I completely forgot about that series because, like, I, I know of him, but I was just like, yeah, what happened? Like, I don't, season see, one I don't, and two. The only reason I might not be let down is purely due to the fact that I know almost nothing about Iron Fist. So. If it's if it's let down because it doesn't match the comics, I might be okay. But no, if it's uh, a let down I, I, because it's just a bad show, then yeah, I'll probably <laughs> I'll probably still suffer through it anyway. Hey, I'm very sorry for you. I'm just saying the um, it, <laughs> it's similar to the comics. It's like I think uh, they filmed the fight scene. It was a rush production time. They only had like 15 minutes to film some martial arts scenes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> for the whole season <laughs> yeah, so, yeah things like that and I'm like Daredevil is utterly amazing especially with I mean compared to like the feature film it's a lower budget but oh, dude it, yeah. it kicked the features film's ass though like a uh, single episode of that and I was like why did they make that movie <laughs> yeah, and I, was, I liked the movie it was a good movie back then like that was one of the first uh, big superhero movies that came out because they didn't have all the special effects they have now for someone like an Iron Man. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. That the Ben Affleck movie. I someone tried to tell me the extended cut was way better, and I wouldn't even spend the time to rewatch that. <laughs> you know, I watched it, and now that embarrassing playground fight scene is still there. So I was just like, "You're wrong. That scene's still in the movie. It's terrible." <laughs> but uh, but then again, the guy was a huge Daredevil fan, so um, you know. Uh, so just like, whatever. I'm happy you enjoyed it, but uh, <laughs> I, I won't trust you anymore. But anyway, the, uh... dude, I'm I'm 
I got a friend like that where every single time he's, you know, I, I hear like, you know, he either loved a movie or hated a movie. If he hated it, I, it turns out I'll love it. And if he, and if he loved it, it's going to be, it's going to be a very hit or miss for me. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I have friends like that too. They're like, Eric, you've got to see it. I was like, why? Mm. Because like reasons me. What in my history makes you think that I would possibly enjoy this? You know? <laughs> But, uh, but you know, uh, whatever. I, I, I keep my mind open. Sometimes I'm proven wrong. but I, no I, I just watch whatever Rotten Tomatoes tells me not to watch now because it seems <laughs> – like, did, did you ever see uh, The Hercules with the Rock? Yeah, I did. I fucking loved that movie. I thought that was a great that. movie because it was like Troy where they made Hercules real. Like it, it, everything in it made it so that the story of Hercules could have been true, right? Yeah. And, and and the funny thing is that if you look at the Rotten Tomato reviews of Troy, they say that exact reason for giving it such a high rating. And then when they talk about Hercules, they say that for the exact reason of their low rating. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a weird contradiction. I'm guessing it's probably, I guess, even the times we, you know, we live in and when it was made, people want to see heroes, superheroes, you know, and things like that. And then but it was it was so well done. Like I love the I, fact I that like the hi, the Hydra was like a bunch of people wearing like reptile masks, and like so you cut off one of their heads and three more appear. Like that's such a clever way to do that. Like yeah, for, like yeah. I got so many ideas from that movie that I hope to like implement in comics later by making like these stories that are you know they're un they're surreal where it's like this demon and it's like no it just happened to be like this like. You know, Hercules had a band of people he worked with, but it was just Hercules. Like, that's such a clever way to do it. Yeah, I, that and The Rock's epic bellowing of, like, I am Hercules. Normally, moments like that in movies can either go so right or so wrong, and this one felt so fucking epic. Well, then, like, that scene where he lit, like, the one scene they make him superhuman, but it's still semi-believable when he's lifting the pylon, remember? Yeah. Because he's just tilting it, right? It, it made me think of, uh, did you ever see Mystery Men? Yes. Yeah. I first off, love that movie. But the, when he talks about how, you know, he was super strong and lifted up a bus, and he's like, well, I kind of just, like, pushed it. There was already momentum, right? And maybe, like, laugh, because that's kind of what I was thinking about. Like, they made it so that it was surreal, but in the right circumstance, it could have happened. You know, he had that mom strength for a second, and he was defending his friends. He needed to do this. And it was so awesome because, like, you see this man with, like, that he, he's he been given this story and now he needs to be that man for just a second. And I was like, oh, so fucking awesome. Well, yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, with, with good writing, it, it, you know, it does that. It's like I – it's like my favorite kind of writing uh, – and it, that happened to me with the Hercules movie – is also when things connect with you after the fact. It means the work resonated. You're still thinking about it. And, uh, and it's like with, you know, the Hercules movie, I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. The, I mean, I don't want to say as popcorn fare, um, but I mean, it's an enjoyable, good movie. Then later I'm thinking about it, you know, just going throughout my day and I'm like, oh, that worked with that. That worked with it. You know, things exactly. like Exactly. Like I enjoyed it. It was like, it was like, uh, kind of like a Fast and Furious movie where you're like, oh, it's awesome stuff happening. But then later, yeah, all the. All the thinking you do about it later, where you're like, damn, that was so well thought out to make sure it worked out in this way.
that made everything like believable, workable, enjoyable. Like it was a very, very well thought out movie. And I think like, honestly, I think that's the issue with critics now is they're like, I didn't love it the moment I watched it. So it was a terrible movie. And it's like, you should have enjoyed it. It was a good movie, but like the depth that you think about it later is so profound. Like it was definitely well done. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, have you guys seen the uh, the new Joker movie? Yes. Yes. And okay. I just, I rented it on like YouTube or something just to watch it <laughs> at work. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was an amazing movie. And I hate when critics say something like, oh, it's just like a pastiche of other, you know, movies. I'm like, well, yeah, so is every movie. It's like, it's like it's like a taxi driver down in a comic farm. I'm like, yeah, I saw a video on YouTube about that. Like they were comparing Taxi Driver to that movie, and like it's still a good movie either way. Yeah. That's and the I, thing is like if you have to break apart a movie to make it bad, you know what I mean? Like that's that's how you like it's the opposite. Like if you have to break apart a movie to make it bad, that means it was a good movie. Like you had to find something wrong with it. Yeah. Right. And, and even then, I. Th- and even like, okay, I understand your argument. It's still a great fucking movie. You know, <laughs> he, he deserved that Oscar. And uh, yeah, and for me, I just uh, I I I like discussions more of theme and saying like, you know, you're saying no, he's not the hero of the story. He's the focus of the story. And uh, well, I, I hated the fact people were like, oh, it's normalizing. Um... What the hell is it? It was like normalizing reacting badly to someone treating you like crap. That was essentially like what people were complaining about. It's like, oh, this is how you cause mass shooters. And it's like, are you stupid? This is the warning of not to shit on people. You know what I mean? Like when when somebody goes insane in real life and eventually causes harm to others, yes, they're a bad person. But that's not the lesson to be learned. The lesson is don't treat people like shit because you might be the last bad day they ever have. Like. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's it's yeah. such a powerful lesson for everyone else. Like, it it they're taking the wrong part of the story. I know, and, and I think as artists, we what I think people responded to about that movie is that they were bold enough to make that choice and tell that story. Um, because it's like you have um, you have people who are are concerned with you know how many books this will sell or how many cut you know or how many. Uh, you know, like uh, tickets it'll sell, yeah. <laughs> tickets, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, I got you. But it was a, and I, and I'm thinking, okay, I get that. And if you're doing a family-friendly movie, sure, be concerned about that. Yeah. But not everything is like that. Like, uh, you know, if I if I'm doing like a story meant for mature readers, it's gonna be that way for a reason. Like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, like, that's the reason that all those DC Universe movies did bad was I feel like they were trying to write a story that people would like. And ironically, they did it wrong. You know what I mean? Like, like they should have just done the Dark Knight, not the Dark Knight like the movies that came out. Those were great movies, and they were done in a unique way based off of a series of the Dark Knight, right? But the yeah, way they were doing this was very Dark Knight, like the, like the graphic novel. And if they had just – they didn't have to be like the comic, but if they made the movie in the vision that the comic was based off of, that would have been a great movie. But instead, they took that vision and then tried to make it so people would like it. And all the stuff they changed was the wrong stuff. Yeah, I think, 
I could almost understand their business model of like saying, well, if Marvel is bright colors and family friendly, then we're going to be the alternate to that to get that business. But they should they should have doubled down on it. That was the thing is coincidentally, they didn't go dark enough. And then like that's why I was saying like the whole Batman needs his boyfriend thing. Like that's what it felt like. It felt like out of nowhere, this person who was ready to murder somebody in cold blood because he thought that his existence could cause problems, right? Like Superman wasn't even bad at that point. He was all he was doing was like, you might kill people one day, and he was ready to murder him, right? Yeah. And now he's the guy that's like, we need him back. Like we need him, and he's like freaking out. And I'm like, dude, you're like a 600 pound muscle man, and you look like you're about to cry. Like what's happening? Yeah, that and for for me, I'm thinking anytime you write with saying I'm gonna make a dark, gritty story, and then just you know sit there because I don't think that's where good stories come from. It, I you know saying I wanna I just want to write this tone, then it feels like you know you're kind of like back in junior high trying to be edgy with your writing. <laughs> that's know. what I mean. Like they tried they tried to go for it in a way that if they just followed the conceptual idea of the original one that would have been like, they could have still made it their own, but like, yeah, they definitely were like, let's try to make it edgy. And like, <laughs> you look like you tried. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think, you know, uh, it's like, I enjoyed man of steel. I, uh, yeah, it was a decent movie quite a bit. It's uh, like, was it perfect? No. Um, like for me, uh, uh, when I think of Superman, my mind will go to Christopher Reeve, you know, uh, it, you know, with that tonality, but I can respect them saying this is a different direction. Um, I think, though, then the problem became of like, I, I forget the exact chronology of movies that came out. Was Suicide Squad after Man of Steel? Or uh, it was, yeah, the Suicide Squad was, Squad was definitely after Man of Steel. I think it was either, I think it came out shortly before or shortly after Batman versus Superman. Yeah, because the thing is with that, uh, with that movie, um, I feel the problem with that is like, especially in the early trailers, I had no idea what the story was about. Yeah, I mean, they showed they showed characters that I recognized. They showed them just being off the wall, but thinking, so they just hanging out or is there a threat <laughs> there? Yeah. well do you, do you, that's actually a really good point because all their other fucking trailers tell you how the beginning middle and end of the movie are where you know that trailer yeah was kind of more like i have no idea what's going on that's actually funny that you mentioned that because that's interesting because like all the marvel trailers i had to stop watching them although ironically for the very final marvel movie they made fake trailers which yeah. so now i kind of wish i saw them but um, but like all the other Marvel movies, they they were like, they, I felt like. <laughs> did you ever watch Dragon Ball Z? Uh, it's been a long time, but yeah. But do you do you remember how at the end of the episode you had to like turn off the channel because it was like on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z where Goku beats Frieza and you're like, wait, what? Like Jesus, could you, could you like could you leave me a little bit of mystery? <laughs> yeah, I did remember that TV uh, going off pretty quick. Yeah, it, it, it's, that's the thing. It's like. That's that's how they did all of the Marvel trailers. Like they told you, like after after about um, probably Thor two. I think after, from that movie on, all the trailers were spoiler alerts. Like you could not watch them. 
So I had to stop watching them because they ruined the movies. I was like, all the mystery's gone. And that's the point of these. Like, I already know the superheroes. I, I want to be mystified by the story. So if you tell me the whole story in the damn trailer, like, it kind of defeats the purpose of watching the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's an issue with not just superhero movie trailers, but a lot of trailers nowadays, too. Oh, yeah. They're all like that. But I, I, for yeah. me, like, the only movies I've been paying in theaters to watch recently have all been superhero movies just because it's all like there's been so many movies made recently that have been so disappointing that unless it's like an actor I really like, I'm not going to go pay to see it in the theaters because I'm like, you've already like, cause the, the, yeah, first off, I don't watch any trailers at all anymore because they're all, yeah, they're right. They're all spoiler alerts. But because of that, like I can watch the trailer when I do watch the trailer, I can tell if it's a good movie or not. Cause I know how it's going to play out. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I mean, certain stories, you know, like, uh, for example, something like uh, Aquaman, you know, you you know what's going to happen, you know, even if you haven't seen the trailer, it's just like, like yeah, a little bit of an origin, huge, spectacular battle at the end, but it's like something like that I don't mind a trailer for, but the problem I have is like, it, I keep like taking bits and pieces from the trailer and then saying, uh, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, oh, okay, here's where this is going to come into play that I've already seen, and it's agony for horror movies, because it's like... Because, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if they're, if a jump scare works, for example, in a, in a trailer, then it's not going to work for me in the movie, because I'm, like, seeing it. Yeah, well, th- that's, why I, that's why I liked what they did with the, the last uh, Avengers, because they made fake trailers that yeah. gave you an idea of what the movie could be about, while giving you a curveball for the movie, like that's part, that's, how, that's how scary movie trailers should be. They should let you feel what the movie's gonna feel like without ever spoiling anything from the movie. Yeah, it's like uh, like when because uh, I'm working on some you know horror scripts and things like that. Uh, we're trying to actually script separate trailers uh, featuring the cast, featuring this and that, but you'll never see it in the movie. It's more going to be treated in the same vein of like a short film. Uh, yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, to get you intrigued. Um, but yeah, I I avoid movie trailers generally as much as possible because I like to see a story, you know, unfold. Um, it's like sometimes though, if I'll make an exception of people like you have got to see this because I know you're a fan, etc. And then sometimes you go to the theaters, you can't help but see a trailer and i'll be like well i don't want to be the uh, douchebag on this phone the interesting thing too though is that i feel like the trailers that are in movie theaters aren't always as bad as the ones they put on tv because typically for those they either do like the michael bay style where they just do loud explosions because you're in a theater and they want to get your attention uh you know or it it's uh it's setting you up for like a movie that you really haven't heard you didn't know was coming out so it's like oh like now i'm just aware of it like you're not even paying attention fully to the trailer yeah it's like uh there's a movie i've been meaning to see the one with um uh, the actor who played black panther it's like 21 blocks or something like that uh, yeah bridges or bridges there we go yeah. yeah 21 bridges or bridges no 20 21 bridges yeah it's ah. like it's like that's not something that would be on my radar if I didn't see the trailer in theater. Yeah. And uh, so, so yeah, I think that's a good point there. I find uh, 
for me, what's really interesting, just thinking about horror, is that it is the toughest medium to do in comics, in my opinion, because it's like really hard to actually have a jump scare. It's the closest you can come is having a page turn. Dude, that's oh, what I was just yeah. about to say. Okay. Greg and I were talking yeah. about that because even with our um, our current ho- comics, which aren't horror comics, um, we're work- I, I started laying out pages so that like the spoiler or the big cool thing happens on page flips. Like I never want it to be like you're looking at something that's background information and then the cool things on the bottom right. You know what I mean? Like where I'd rather either have a splash page or have it be the top panel, like a boom, you know, something like that. Where the, the same with, and then we were discussing how are we going to create horror comics because you can't get that jump scare. Instead, I want it to just be that, like, holy shit, like, whoa, like you flip the page and, like, damn. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, uh, it's more like shock as opposed to scare. Yeah, it's like, it's really tough, I think. I think you can create a, an atmosphere, but with the absence of, like, sound design or as deep as you can get into it with, you know, uh, like a novel uh you're it's it's a struggle and i think that you know titles that pull it off i you know just i respect them you know greatly for that because you know a lot of titles you know will have like a bunch of like body horror or blood or or you know blood and guts and you know if you're i would say yeah i do too sometimes because because sometimes you have a bad day and need to punch somebody's face and graphically uh, to prove a point in a comic book, but uh, that'll show them. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's like I think you know you can get a lot of horror just from in a comic book, a non-comic depiction of of violence because like you know someone gets and you you'll know as a martial artist you get punched in the face. It's way different than in a movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> like in a movie you take that reaction and uh, yeah. You can go on about your day with any bruising, any swell, anything like that. But in real life, you uh, you just look, you know, well, like you've been punched in the face. Yeah, I honestly, there's there, there's only I can't I can't even think of them off the top of my head. But there's only been a few movies where I've ever seen like somebody got punched, and you're like, damn, like for like several more scenes, they're still like really fucked up because not enough time has passed for even like the basic swelling of something like that to go down. Like I, like that stuff. I, I love when people really do pay attention to that because, like, I hate that. Like, um, I watched, uh, what was it, Hobbs and Shaw, which is, like, the yeah, brand. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 like, the most ridiculous movie I've ever seen. Like, there's one 15-second window where The Rock is running wearing shorts with, like, a, like a kilt around it kind of thing because he's, like, on his, like, tribal island. He's, run- he's got no shoes on. He's running. It shows someone else. It fades back to the same running scene. He now has a shirt on. It fades back. It comes back. He now has boots on. It fades back. He comes back. He's now got like a full shirt, pants, boots, and he's carrying something. And it's, I'm like, what is, like, it was night 35 seconds ago, right? Wait, what just happened? Like, it straight up went to there's fire because it's dark to it's noon and he's running. And I'm like, what? just happened like my brain exploded like did you guys run out of budget during this scene and you guys had to film it fast and it was all in one day like like it was ridiculous and oh and in and within that same minute and a half it was storming maybe a half mile down the road like 
like torrential downpour, dark clouds, lightning, and then it was sunny with no clouds, like a quarter mile away, and people are still fighting. And I'm like, what is going on? Like that, there's that level, and then there's the this guy's had a bruise on his face for the for the rest of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome. Like I love that shit. Yeah, there's, uh, that's actually one of my favorite things about the show uh, Breaking Bad is that they did a great job keeping track of those loans. See, I I, I gotta I gotta watch that's a good show. <laughs> oh my god! I I, start, I I started watching it and it was such a great show, but it's so long and I do a lot of things. I don't have a lot of time to watch shows. Clearly, with all my lack of DC and Marvel catch ups, but um, yeah, like that. I watched like maybe six episodes of it and it's phenomenal show but even in those few episodes you're right like they keep track of everything but yeah it's like i think think that's a problem too with you know especially indie creators of of all different mediums is getting their continuity yeah not just continuity but like there's just so much out there to watch uh to absorb and while i like that there's this much art in the world it just makes it that more challenging you know it's like uh because you know, I mean, every if you break it down to comics, every convention you go to, you know, I think everyone in Artist Alley is either doing like fan art or plugging their own book, and I think that is really cool, you know. It, uh, well, the way I like to think about it is that honestly, the stuff that stands out to you stands out to you for a reason, and so there's not so so much like. It does suck when you want to be a taste tester and see everything so that you can get more ideas. But in reality, there's not actually that much stuff that's good per person coming out, right? Like if you think about all the movies that are coming out, like I haven't gone to the movies since since Endgame probably. Oh, Joker. Well, I guess Joker after that. But like other than that, like I don't go to the movies a lot because there's nothing that's really catching my attention. But for some people, like – there's stuff coming out that is in their field of enjoyment. So it's the same with comic books. Like, you know, our comic might be exactly what somebody wants to see and someone else's comic they might hate, but someone else's exact they want to see. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think too, it's like, it's also when you're competing against, you know, name brand, you know, name brands, like everyone, you know, is like, everyone knows Spider-Man, everybody knows Batman. And, uh, and sometimes it's like you, uh, I it's an issue that I've seen other creators struggle with too, and sometimes I do too. Is like I'll post a drawing of like an original character, and you know I'll get oh that's nice. I I post something from the Spider-Man Four fan film. Everyone's like oh my god, and <laughs> it's like it's one of the things where I get it, and I think it's something where uh, like. Where it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to concentrate on the quality of my piece and build my audience, you know. By Slowly, just... yeah. Think, yeah. Think about it. What, uh, aside from just Marvel as an example, I always see this post on, like, Instagram when people are like, oh, it's so hard. It's like the first year Coca-Cola came out, they only sold 25 bottles. Like, I could come up with a drink and sell more than 25 bottles in a year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, like that, and Coca Cola is now the single most recognizable beverage brand in the entire world. You know, so like that's when when people think like, oh, like Spider Man gets more views than me. It's like they used to not. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, I think even with, uh, we brought him up earlier, Todd McFarlane was like rejected, I think over 350 times, some absurdly high number, you know, and he just kept submitting and, and, uh, I, I met him at uh, Emerald City Comic Con a couple of years ago. I have a photo to prove it. Um, but he, uh, Is it on uh, Facebook? It's not real. <laughs> oh, it's real. It was creepy when I tried to say I was in a relationship with him and he blocked me, but the point is... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, act, but in all actuality, he gave this kind of... Uh, he gave a talk where he was just saying, you know... Uh, he said, yeah, I kept at it, and I think he said they, they probably got tired of, you know, rejecting me, so they just gave me a job to shut me up. And there, Persistent. There was, yeah, there was my career, and, like, you know, I I see, obviously, I follow you guys on Instagram and Facebook, the Sierra Nova Universe, and uh, and I and I like what you do. I like your work. Um, you know, the, the titles coming out look to me to be not just, like, well-meaning people who don't have any artistic talent uh, writing or drawing wise i i see it and i'm like okay there's quality work in here so i'm inclined to buy you know i'd be inclined to buy an issue of that um and i think where a lot of creators stumble um is they're not there's a difference in my opinion between being self-critical but in a way to just have to get some affirmations of people saying, no, you're awesome, your art's awesome, versus being self-critical to have people saying, like, uh, to say, okay, is this the best layout I can do on a page, for example, to tell the story? Because, like, cause like, yeah, I've been working on uh, uh, the titles I'm working on. I'm like, I'll, I'll look at my rough layout and think, okay, this looks way, like, page eight looks way too similar to page two you know let me try changing it up a bit just to you know uh give give anybody who reads this book uh, like an indication i put more thought into this you know yeah. even though most people wouldn't even notice that but that's that's the funny thing is the stuff you do that nobody notices ensures the stuff that thing the stuff that is noticed is done well as well like and bringing it back full circle to the orange gun tips. If I didn't do that, everyone would say, "Why are you guys using airsoft guns?" I put in those few hours of effort. Okay, they're pointing guns at each other. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. But but yeah, I think it's the details that you may not deliberately notice, but then you do notice if they're not there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Before we uh. End this. I was about to say, that was, actually yeah. good, that was a good closer, actually. Yeah. I was going to say. Boom, I'm out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just click. <laughs> uh, where can everybody, like, find you? Um, like, on um, Instagram, whatever. Okay. On, uh, it's, uh, I have my, for my comic work, uh, and most of me in general, you can find me on Eric on Paper. Uh, same for my website, uh, ericonpaper.com. Uh, I'm open for... Uh, really i'm open for commissions things like that i love drawing characters you know for people and uh and yeah i'm looking to have my new titles coming out uh within the year and get them up on the sites like comiXology things like that so if you uh so if anybody wants to follow me there i'm posting more art videos uh, where i'm going to be breaking down like 
how-tos, things like that. And uh, and yeah, so that's it. Eric on paper. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, definitely, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll cut the uh, feed in a second, and uh, but uh, we'll definitely see you off in a second. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye.